listening to the Gen 5 podcast. I'm Alex Johnson with Gen 5. And I'm Kia Christopher with Gen 5. And we have a very interesting topic to discuss today that that we've written about this on our blog. And it's something that we've seen some companies do well that's really helped them um, hit their sales goals. And what we're talking about is predicting revenue. And just hearing that alone brings warm fuzzies, I'm sure, because, I mean, wouldn't it be great if everybody knew how to predict revenue well and they knew the value of their current pipeline? But frankly, we've been around companies that they're not they're not getting a realistic picture of, of their predicted revenue. And so we think that this is an important topic and it's attainable for companies that they're actually able to do this. Yeah, we've had quite a few conversations with executives of emerging B2B companies and we'll say, you know, what's your strategy for next year? What's your plan? And they'll throw out a number. They'll be like, nine million. Yeah. <laughs> and and to us, we're like, wow, you know, that that's a goal, but that's not a strategy to reach that goal. So it usually takes, you know, a little bit of a deeper dive to actually figure out how you're going to reach that goal. And it's not really something that you can just hope and wish and try a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's actually... But that's kind of the formula for a lot of these companies and these leaders um, to how they, they think they're going to be able to hit their goals. Yeah, for example, absolutely. I know that we, we've worked in, uh, w- within different industries and for two different companies that aren't related at all, we've had similar experiences where they'll, you know, they'll have kind of these town hall meetings or we'll just be in a private meeting with them and, and we'll say, all right, so next year, planning for next year, what's the deal? What are we thinking? And it'll be a revenue number. Well, we're going to do um, three million in additional new sales. Okay, so how are you going to do that? And and when you dive into that conversation, it becomes less of well, we've uh, we've lo- looked at our existing data, our current pipeline, and based on X, Y, and Z, um, here are the projections we have. It's it's not that. It's well, you know, uh, our we've got a great pipeline. Our, our sales guys are really hitting the bricks, and, and they're. Um, making more calls, and it seems like a good time. We have a new message. We have maybe a new sales tool. Mm-hmm. And if they work hard, we hire more salespeople. Or new incentive plans. Or new that, <laughs> that's one that we hear often. We have a new incentive plan, and that's how we're going to hit our goal. And so you're, we're not making fun of incentive plans, of course. We're just saying that there is a more intelligent, more efficient way to go about predicting your revenue and even, quite frankly, setting a sales goal. So and it's a, it's a very attainable way for right. B2B companies, too. I mean, there are a lot of options and um, ways that you can spend a lot of money trying to figure this out because, of course, it is so valuable. But there, there are some easier kind of back-of-the-envelope ways that you can make very intelligent estimates of what you should expect. Yeah, and so that that's what we're going to talk about today is is predicting your revenue and setting metrics within your sales cycle so that you can monitor your performance and even, you know, even if you just want to get a handle on really what's my current pipeline worth? Like what's my current run rate? Because you want to be able to say, "All right, um, I can probably count on based on historical data and there's not really any uh, significant changes or bumps in the road." Here's what we're aiming for right now. And here's a very conservative estimate. And you can do that. And you could probably do that anyway. But if you're saying, all right, I want to be aggressive and I want to hit a new goal and I want to grow even more than last year, you can set those goals. But what's even better about what we're talking about with predicting revenue setting metrics is you know what you need to do to hit them. And that's sometimes the biggest question. It's not... Um, it's not setting a higher target or I, I think I think we could probably do 5% more, 10% more. 
that's really not the hard part. The hard part is, okay, so tell me exactly what you're going to do or what activities you need to do in order to move the needle. Like what are the effective um, tactics? And so those oftentimes are the, that's the elusive part. And um, something that we've seen is not, like you just said, it's not unobtainable for, uh, for companies to, to reach. Here's something that, that companies, when they're talking about next year and their strategy, and and you're and you're you're maybe in a position to have influence on, on on their plans, and you hear a revenue number when you say, "Well, what's what's the plan for next year?" Well, I want let's say two million dollars in sales. Just say, "Well, then why not three? You know, I mean, I mean that's kind of a good litmus test. Well, why not three? Well, why not three? I want three. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but in, instead you need to have a, a more calculated approach. Unfortunately, so when we're talking about predicting revenue, there are several elements that um, go with fall under that that uh, topic that you probably need to outline first. And one is knowing your current pipeline, the, your run rate, was, which is what we just um, established. And if you don't have that and you're just going on, um, well, what it was last year, because you know the outcomes of last year because you know the numbers. And if you don't, you need to stop listening to this and go talk to an accountant or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but it's really uh, understanding based on the activities of my sales team, maybe your inside sales team, what's it worth today? Yeah, and you know, throughout your sales cycle, you have many different stages in your sales cycle. You have different activities, you have different levels, whatever you may call it. You have qualification criteria and, and different levels of engagement. And even if you do not have historical data that shows you, you know, out of every 100 phone calls that my inside sales team makes or out of every 1,000 emails that my marketing team sends out, we get X number of responses and out of that percentage, these are qualified. Even if you do not have that data, typically your sales leaders and even your sales reps can give you an idea of of what that takes. And then when you start looking at all those numbers, I mean, you may see areas that you want to improve. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that we found is when you're talking to these leaders of the companies and and they're talking about more, it's all more. We need more leads. We need better leads. And you may be actually getting enough leads. We've had a couple of companies that we look and we're like, you know, you have plenty of qualified leads. You're not closing them. We have to figure out where in the sales cycle these leads are falling off because it's really not about more. And in the long run, you don't want to just churn through all the possible leads that you know you could you could find in the US. You only have a certain subset of companies that are even qualified to to be a customer of yours anyway. So it's not just churn and burn. It's, you know, you have to figure out um, what to do with the leads that you're getting in first. So it's knowing. Yeah. It's it's not guessing or jumping to a conclusion. And that's something that I know we touched on in the blog. It's, it's, it's not reacting to something that you have a gut feeling or, and because it's easy to say, well, we don't have enough of, uh, of leads. And then we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you actually do the right things and set your metrics and say, all right, per 100 uh, inside sales phone calls to prospects X happens moves on to the next stage and then they have a second meeting. Okay, blah blah blah. You can if you if you get those numbers and have visibility of those numbers, it's really easy to see. Well, hold on a second. It's fine going from stage one to stage two, but here's stage three. There's this weird drop off that we weren't expecting. So then you've isolated a problem instead of and think about this. If you didn't know your numbers before, think of the time you could waste by just throwing time, energy, and resources. At a problem that really doesn't exist. When speaking about metrics, too, 
often we think about metrics within the sales cycle. And I think it's actually beneficial to take, you know, two steps back and look at metrics and how you're even attracting prospects in the beginning. Because the truth is, I mean, marketing and sales, they do a lot of different things to try to get attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do email blasts, you may do trade shows, you may do conferences, you may be in publications, whatever the social media, I don't know, whatever the case may be. So it's really important to track your metrics across those channels too, because you might figure out like, hey, our main strategy up until this point has been hammer the phones. Yeah. Like, let's let's cold call. Maybe we have some warm leads, but we're calling. So you're paying your inside sales team, and you're paying them for activity. But you may find that you could do an educational webinar, which has a very minimal cost, and get 100 leads. I mean, how long would it take your inside sales team to have that many conversations and find that many qualified people? It's just you know doing it at scale. So when we talk about metrics, don't just think about within the sales cycle. Think yeah. about before the sales cycle, too, because when you're looking at maximizing your revenue and really increasing revenue year over year, you might have to do some things differently. Right, and, and I, I think that's really what we're talking about, which is, um, getting a grasp on what works and what doesn't and having numbers to back that up, right. and knowing what the problem is. Um, and so really, if we're going to really um, give a high-level overview of what we're talking about, it's it's understanding as uh, from the very beginning of contacting a prospect to close, understanding at what each point they're converting, and this particular prospect is converting, mm-hmm. where they're falling off, so you can plan to to know what to expect. But not only that, if you changed a few things over here, if you put more input over here, you'd get uh, uh, more output on the other side. Right. And then it becomes really a numbers game. And you can plan for that. And then you can also say, all right, well, in order to do that, to hit those numbers, I have to change some things uh, at the front end. Maybe I need more marketing X, Y, or Z. Maybe I need more sales X, Y, or Z. And you can appropriately not only plan for that, but assess, okay, the goal that I set to increase at this point is not realistic. The flip side of that is, it's not big enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just getting sure. a handle, a realistic handle on on what you can do or the art of the possible. Yeah, and exactly like you just said, we really view marketing and sales as an engine. It's you know input to output and what goes on within the engine and within the system that can be optimized um, because it's not always more. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting. At, to us, it's just kind of what we live and breathe every day, but we always hear more. So we would challenge you, you know, when you're looking at planning for next year, don't just think about more leads. Think about better processes. Think about better ways to get leads in that are, you know, more efficient and more effective. Yeah, and I think the the overarching uh, theme in this topic is just measuring and knowing what you have. Because, I mean, you know, we, we have worked with companies that might – once you get it to sales and you demo and everything, past that point, they're golden mm-hmm. and they're good. But that front end, you know, and, and getting qualified leads actually into the funnel and actually having conversations and having those qualified um, uh, meetings or whatever you want to call them, um, they were really struggling on that end. But we've also worked with companies where they were getting qualified leads on the front end, no problem, and they were getting the right people in front. But then when they got to a certain stage, they just weren't converting and closing. So, the, what was similar about those two companies is if they're not monitoring, they can't identify where those problems are and they can't you know, isolate or fix it. Like the first example I gave, that company you know, had, the, had the opportunity, if they knew all this stuff, could have gone in and said, okay, don't really need to focus too much on the back end. I just need to get them the qualified leads. I need right. to get outside sales these leads. They're fine. Get a proposal, 
50% proposals go to sign, not worried about it. However, this front end, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Now, if if at the end of the year you're not measuring that, say that if, if you're listening to this and it's similar to what you're experiencing, think about if you didn't know where that problem existed and you got to the end of the year and you missed your goal by $1.5 million or you came up short, I mean, where's the first thing you're, you're going to go? It would be easy to jump down sales throat mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, you know, you couldn't close these guys. I know that we had a, a conference call. You had two guys on the, on the table and you didn't close them. What's wrong? Well, what if the conversion rates really were still the same and it just so happens that they landed on the bad side of that equation? And really, you should have been going to the front end going, how can I change what's happening in the front end to uh, get our numbers up? I think one of the things that is a recurring theme throughout um, our meetings and also this this podcast is marketing and sales alignment is huge. And if it feels a little bit unrelated, but metrics really help with that. Um, exactly, Alex, like you were saying, so you, you asked sales, why didn't you close these leads? And sales says, well, marketing didn't provide these leads. <laughs> and when you have the data to back it up, you really know where in the process things are falling apart and and where you can where you have an opportunity to improve. So marketing and sales alignment is a huge outcome of establishing your metrics and trying to predict your revenue. Yeah, and and you know, just something just came to me. We also have worked with companies that um, really relied heavily um, on inside sales being the front line of the funnel, right? And what we're talking about is the is is a is a system where you're buying lists. And you're just telling your inside sales to just call for list. There's no marketing effort beyond that. There's not um, marketing outreach to try to get these prospects into inside sales to then go to outside sales. It start at it starts at inside sales. And we would encourage you if you're in a situation like that and you're a B2B company. And granted, we're saying this without knowing any specifics, but um, in order to get uh, the most out of your inside sales team, maybe think about in you know um, using the kind of marketing that we're talking about to really boost the amount of qualified leads that go into your your sales cycle or your sales funnel to, so that your inside sales teams are spending more time on the phone cultivating the right companies and the right prospects to go to outside sales. I mean, I think we, we, we have seen so many times where companies are just calling off lists where that, that whole process of that inside sales process would have been so much more effective and efficient had they had just another level of, of marketing added to that so that they're not just calling and hoping and praying that the right person shows up, <laughs> right. but they're being given those leads from marketing. So if you're listening to that and that sounds familiar, you know, try to get some marketing in there and yeah, take care of that. Definitely the way that we think about marketing is that marketing drives revenue, marketing drives sales. So definitely keep marketing out in front. And, you know, when you think about metrics and tracking and monitoring and looking at all of these um, moving parts within your marketing and sales processes, in our opinion, marketing should be the one actually monitoring that. So it absolutely is a joint effort between marketing and sales. But one of the most important things that marketing can do besides marketing to get leads, (laughs) but it is looking at what works, what doesn't work? What What's the ROI on this activity? What's the ROI on this channel? And what should we be doing more of? What should we be doing less of to maximize our funds? And especially with emerging B2B companies, I mean, you only have so much <laughs> so much time and so much money as well. So it's really important that you know, you know what you're getting out of which investment. Yeah. And, and so at a time where where companies that are competing against larger, especially if you're B2B in software and in technology, I mean, you're you might have an innovative product and you're in a market where there are some huge players. You can't afford to mess around with with too much trial and error and just 
hope that you fix the problem without knowing. So knowing this stuff and knowing your cost, things like cost per lead and, and you mean knowing how, okay, so how many calls does my inside sales team have to make to get a qualified lead and, and how, uh, how many of those are moving past? I mean, if you don't know the answers to that question and they're easy to obtain, I think that's the kind of the message we're having. Like if, Regardless, if you're a small company, you can measure these things mm-hmm. and make improvements based on that. And that's ultimately, I think that's what we're saying is successful companies start out doing this and they continue to do it. Yeah, and the, the wonderful thing is too, once you set your metrics package or whatever you want to call it, your your metrics from you know initial contact through marketing or sales all the way through close, that will be optimized over time as you continue to get better data in, as you continue to try new marketing tactics and sales tactics, see how they work. The conversion rates will always change and get more precise over time. But when you at least make those educated estimates at mm-hmm. the beginning, you're at least not saying next year we're going to do seven million and we're going to try really hard and we're, we're going to we're going to call more and we're going to send more emails and everyone's focused and we have a good incentive plan because unfortunately if if that's the plan you usually get to a Q4 and you freak out a little bit and yeah. we're going to have a great Q4 that never happens because the yeah. holidays are hard you know so <laughs> but, you sound like you know this from experience <laughs> yeah go figure um, <laughs> but. It, it is kind of cool to you know set your metrics up front and then year over year continue to refine those and ultimately you hopefully will know um, what marketing investment you need to hit your sales number. I mean I think, that's the ultimate question. I think that's what every uh, especially in a lot of the CEOs we've worked with. Um, many of them have sales backgrounds. A lot of them that have helped start the company had have had to sell their actual software to even get where they are today, right. company wise. But marketing's influence or role in that sales process is a little foreign. So, of course, these companies' leaders want to know, all right, to get X out of marketing, how much do I need to put in? Yep. And, uh, you know, for a lot of companies, they just guess. Some are, are good at guessing, I guess, and they get close. But if you really want to maximize your output, it's really important to know what your input has to be yeah. or what your invest investment's actually getting you. Um, and so... Uh, I think when when you're talking about tracking and, and, and putting together conversion rates and, and understanding all this stuff, it sounds intimidating, but I think one thing that we've noticed is that if you don't act or if you don't start somewhere, you're never you just you just made a reference to fourth quarter and no you know you make excuses for mm-hmm. things. How many times have we been around a company that had a really bad year and it's stressful? Yeah, sure. Right? And they say, well, here, we're, we're getting to the end and just call more and everybody has to... We're going to hire somebody. So how much more comfortable <laughs> are companies, though, when they finally get a grasp on the metrics and what they need to do and have visibility to conversion rates and all that other stuff on their performance? Mm-hmm. How much calmer because they know they can see it and they well, can isolate the problems? It also, Yeah, you, you isolate the problems. You can pinpoint where things are falling apart, you might see, hey, you know, our prospects are really falling off after our demo. What the heck is wrong with our demo? This sucks. You know, (laughs) let's get a better demo. Or, hey, when we send these proposals in, you know, we're not getting responses or or they're falling out after the proposal. Are we we pricing this wrong? What what are our... What's the competition doing? So, I mean, it helps you to get to the problem area faster and then be able to address it so you're not just... More, 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 higher, 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 you know, and, yeah. and things that ultimately end up costing you in the long run. And I think with um, what we've seen with, you know, software being such a huge industry, uh, I mean, 
the, the kind of products and automations that we see today are incredible. And the kinds of companies that come out from startups to become huge companies today, the reason they're able to um, grow so large from so small is because they're able to solve those problems and get the answers to market faster. Mm-hmm. Speed is a huge thing. So when you know we're talking about uh, metrics and, and, and measuring performance and predicting revenue, knowing where you are and having visibility to that stuff, that has direct that has everything to do with speed and speed to fix the problem to get better so that you compete more efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. You'll see if you've spent any time on our website or listened to other podcasts or read any of our content. We talk a lot about the art and the science of marketing and revenue engineering, and this is exactly it. It's being able to predict your revenue and to figure out what inputs produce what outputs and how to tweak that over time to continue to get better. So, you know, predicting revenue is absolutely one of those art and science things. There's absolutely a measurable, concrete science to it, but there's absolutely an art too, an art of attraction. So, um, you know, it's not the easiest thing, but it's absolutely worth it. Right, yeah, and in... With the the right determination and, and time and focus, uh, companies can do it. So if this sounds anything like what you're experiencing or if this sounds interesting, you can uh, read more about metrics and other content on our website at gen-5.com. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. And for like I said, for more information, keep checking our podcast. And we look forward to bringing you more material about subjects like this and how you can take your B2B company, and make it grow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.